see you all chatting and loving one another. Hey, Brother Bond, Pastor Bond, Missionary Evangelist Bond, come on up here and I'll introduce you. Well, yes, let's all welcome him. Come on, you guys. <laughs> How you doing? So I just wanted to stand here and just say a, a few warm fuzzies about you, bro. I know how much you love that. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, so Bond, what a great name, huh? You gotta have a missionary named Bond. James Bond. That, that's not his, yeah, no, that's his first name. Yeah, so, you know, you guys know him. He spoke uh, last Father's Day, right? And we've been supporting you guys for, I don't know, a couple years now, probably. And uh, they do so many things, it's hard to kind of keep up with them. But I wanted to say this. The gifting of missionary evangelism together uh, found themselves together in this guy's heart and his wife's heart as well. You're going to hear from both of them this morning. But the work that they're doing, I just thought, I just love knowing that every bit of the resources that we send this way are, are going to train pastors to to this guy, like, let's put a building there. Let's throw a building up there. You know, let's put a dorm there. Let's start a Bible college there. Yeah. And, and it happens. And it's so wonderful. And uh, so, um, once again, I'm just glad that you're here. And uh, we love you. All right, brother. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, we love you. Thank you, Ross. Appreciate it. Well, we are blessed to be here again. We thank you for your hospitality. It's been amazing. You know, um, I, I feel like I'm at a resort every time I come here. You know, we go to the lake, we go to the water. I mean, we go to the winery. I don't drink wine, but it's awesome to eat all the olive oil. And, uh, you know, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's fun. We, we have such an amazing time here, and we're so blessed. Um, it's fun to sit in your homes and to get to know you more in, uh, in a more intimate setting. And especially for those of you that have become close friends of ours and uh, to get to pray for you. And, you know, our, uh, we're, it's not a one-way relationship. It's two ways. And we just love to sit there and hear all your stories and hear about your children or your mom or dad or your church or whatever it is. And, and, and man, you know, this season's kind of been a, a, a hurtful season for us as, uh, as we hear your stories. I mean, uh, first, the fires. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you guys were, oh, man, that was tough. And uh, so that Heather and I, we were in uh, India when we heard and we were on our knees praying for you guys. And um, and then to come home and hear about uh, certain individuals having cancer and we're just we're just broken. Uh, but on the other hand, we have a, a God. If he so wills, he can just bring healing in every area. Amen. Amen. So my name is Bond. My wife is there it is. There, my wife is Heather. She'll be up here shortly. And our little girl, Brianna. Um, it's really cool having those two with me. Since I am an evangelist, I love to share the gospel. Two blonde-haired girls in every part of the world is an amazing platform to share the gospel. <laughs> you know, 
they, they stop us to take photos. I mean, it's, it's awesome, man. Uh, when we're standing out on the porch, you know, and, and cars will drive by and stop and back up, we're like, oh, are they going to kidnap us? Or can we take photo of your daughter and wife? And I'm like, what? You know, you should ask them, you know? And so a lot of fun. And so if you go to the next slide, we, um, we serve in that 1040 window uh, where uh, Hinduism, uh, you know, um, Buddhism, of course, Islam is there, and it's a very tough area. It's where uh, very few dollars go into. It's very few missionaries go into this area. Um, but God has given us tremendous favor, and, and so we go into this area. We're in Nepal. We're in India. We're in that northern section of Uganda where it's uh, Muslims in that area. Uh, and, and we usually typically preach the gospel. You know, that's, that's always been my heart is just to share the gospel. But as these men and women would give their lives to Jesus, we realized we needed to disciple them. And so that's what leads to all these, you know, school of ministry, Bible colleges and teaching centers and pastor schools. And so that's usually what happens. We're like, okay, we have a lot of people that gave their lives to Jesus here. Let's start a school, you know. And so and then we, we train up guys and gals and then we put them in positions to teach. And so that's where we're at. Um, Nepal, I want to have my wife come and share about Nepal. And so this is my wife, Heather. Good morning. So before I share about Nepal um, and confuse you a little bit more, um, I want to share about um, Uganda because since we were with you last in uh, June of last year, we um, went to Uganda from here and we'll be doing the same again this year. And uh, so Pastor Adam and his wife Katie came over to kind of spy out the land for the rock and um, they were serving alongside of us and, and as we began to pray with them and reports came back and we started to pray um, as well uh, as the, the church staff did, um, there was many open doors for ministry. And so the Lord uh, raised up a team from this body of 10 people. Um, we will be leaving uh, July 7th. Um, I mean, we'll be leaving today, but um, to go visit our family. And then we will um, travel to Uganda on July 7th. And then the team from The Rock will be traveling on July 21st, I believe. And so the purpose of the team, um, or I should say the focus, is to do um, outreach, to do evangelism, to do children's ministry. Uh, and in the community where we're working, with a Calvary Chapel um, called Calvary Chapel Mitigo. There are about 300 believers, and, um, and, there were, and, and the place where we're going to be doing ministry is 95% Muslim. So, um, you know, we covet your prayers. Um, we'll be visiting hospitals and prisons and, and the largest refugee camp in the world. Um, you don't hear about it on the news, but there is a civil war. Maybe you do, but I have heard you that it's not on the news here. Um, there's a civil war in South Sudan, which is right above Uganda. And we're about six, um, six or seven miles um, from that border. And so over the last year and a half to two years, a million people have flooded across the border and are refugees in, in Uganda. And so within a um, probably two or three hour radius, there's been five Calvary chapels planted. And since um, the refugee camp started, there are 285,000 people living there um, in just the open bush and tents. And so The Rock gets to send um, your soldiers with us um, because we are mightier when we are more. Um, and so we'll be visiting that refugee camp. We'll be ministering to people who've lost everything. Um, and I know many of you can um, relate you know, with all that has been going on here in your own backyard um, and maybe even for yourself. So. 
Um, we, we treasure your prayers for that, um, and uh, I'm sure that Pastor Adam will announce that so that you don't forget to be praying during those days. But I do want to um, fast forward to Nepal. Um, one of the things that Pastor Ross shared last year was um, that we would be in the trenches, but that, sorry, I know I got emotional. It was really meaningful to me that we wouldn't be alone, that the rock would have a rope and that they would be sending supplies and that they would be praying and um, that they had made that promise. So I feel like because he said it, you all promised that. And um, (laughs) it was just a very special word from the Lord, I think personally for me, that continued to come up in my mind throughout the year. It was just very... Anytime, you know, it felt like, gosh, it's just so dark or, you know, um, just things seem overwhelming or, um, you know, it was just that picture of you're in the trench, but, you know, the rock is holding the rope and the Lord is using um, that rope to just be that lifeline, you know. And so um, one of those examples is um, in Nepal. And um, last fall, um, we uh, had, we had, been praying about a piece of land. One of our first graduates um, in Nepal that we had um, been a part of discipling had gotten sent out and was re- um, was renting a storefront and um, started a Bible study and quickly outgrew the, the storefront. And it's not like, uh, well, I guess there's not a lot of buildings here either um, to rent, but there was no other place to rent. There was no bigger place. And so um, we sent um, a scouting team out and started praying over different pieces of land, um, having no funds and you know no idea how that would happen. And another Calvary Chapel in this area in Northern California um, called up and said, hey, we heard there's a need and uh, we wanna provide for the purchase of the land and as far as you can get in building the building with this sum of money. And so that is what this picture is. So as of last fall, we got to this point, and um, this is a Hindu community um, with the first Bible teaching church in this area in a country where there's, you know, less than, you know, two to three percent believers. And so the rock came alongside and said, hey, we can be a part of this. So fast forward to the next slide. So the rock showed up in Nepal and um, provided the remaining funding to put the roof on the building, to put windows and doors and plaster and um, paint. And so I know The Rock didn't actually um, put baskets. You ladies didn't put the baskets on your head and carry the actual stones. You can kind of see like some of the ladies don't, I don't know if you can see the picture, but, um, but it allowed us to um, employ many people in that community and to allow this church and the, the home for the pastor and his family to be a beacon of light to this community. So next slide. And so before, my husband's not a very patient guy in this sense, so the roof got put on and he was like, all right, let's start doing outreach. So this was in December. We were able to host an optical clinic. Um, First time we had ever done something like this where we had um, a doctor come who was trained in doing eye exams. So all of these people are waiting. And so we used that as a platform. So every person got to hear the gospel that came and got introduced like this is a church and we love Jesus here. So they heard the gospel and had the opportunity to be prayed for. And you can fast forward to the next slide. And this is what it looks like um, as of recently. So it does have doors on now, um, but you, and it still needs paint. 
Um, but all of the electrical and the um, plumbing, and there's a bathroom um, behind the actual church building. And so we're just so thankful that we get to partner together with Calvary the Rock, that you and um, you know the, the leadership here loved us and loved the people of Nepal enough to say, hey, we not only want to come and meet here on Sundays, but we want you know, them to have a place to meet on Sundays, or actually um, the church day is Saturday. So you can forward to the next slide. And this is um, meeting in the building. So this is one of the Bible studies and the people um, of Calvary Chapel Doomery in Nepal. And so um, they praise God and pray for you all the time. They always ask us to send their greetings and their um, thanks, so we want to do that. Um, and so you can go to the next slide. And so one of the neat things is, as you share the gospel and you teach the word of God, people get saved and then they get baptized. And a lot of times we're not able to write about this because it is illegal um, to, um, to convert people um, in Nepal and um, punishable by imprisonment if you are to convert someone. So things like baptisms are not something that are done publicly and that we can put online and, you know, um, but we wanted to share a picture. This is Pastor Milan, he's in the gray shirt. Um, he's a young guy in his 20s pastoring this church and sharing the gospel in this area and some of the young people that got baptized there in the river that's close by. So we just wanna thank you guys. Um, you know, we've had a, a tremendous week and a, a wonderful year and, um, and the, the overwhelming emotion is just because we just love you guys so much and we're so thankful um, to be partnered with you guys. So, yeah. You know, if you go back to that picture, um, we, had, we had dammed up an area there. That, that might be it, but it was a lot higher and, and, and uh, we were swimming in that water and thinking, wow, it's deep. You know, if you know uh, Pastor Aaron, he's my right-hand man. He's like six foot four. And he's like, I can't even, you know, he's touching, he can't touch the top. It's deep. And we're swimming in there. And, and we typically don't do that. But it was like 110, the humidity. Was, so we jumped into the water and we're just swimming. We're like, this has got to be fresh water. It's coming off the mountains. And we're like, yeah, yeah, okay, we're safe. You know, and, and all of a sudden we see these water buffalo and it's their water spot. They, <laughs> they jump up there and they clean off in there. And you're like... Oh, amoebas, and oh, we we're like, oh, Lord, save us, save us. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide. We have so many wild stories. And so this is uh, Pastor On and, and his wife, Usa, and their two kids, just a, a story of counting the costs. Uh, when I first went out there 12 years ago, I met this young man, and he was my interpreter. And, um, and so we were going back to the east and west, and we were uh, just ministering and saving souls and um, and so when I moved into Kathmandu to make it a center, uh, a, you know, a place that we can bring people from the uh, west and east in the center, you know, I told him I don't need you anymore, you know, and um, I'm going to start a Bible college there in, in Nepal. And I, and I prayed for him and I loved him, you know, and, 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 and we're very close. And, uh, and so I t he called me up and he goes, when are you starting? And I told him the start date, you know, and, um, and so that when the weekend before he shows up with his kids, and he says, I want to come here and learn more, you know, and, and he, he left his land. He, he doesn't own any more land, which was an heritage to him because he forsook it and he came to join us. And I said to him, I go, you're not going to be a student. You're going to be a teacher with us. And so because he'd been teaching with me many, many years and we taught many books and he was sound in his doctrine, but he forsook all to join the call of Christ. And, and that just always 
um, blows my mind because very few people will do that, you know, and, and especially in those kind of cultures. And he brought his two little kids, you know, and he's like, here I am. I'm like, what are you doing? Go back and work, you know. And I'm coming to, you know, learn more so I can serve Jesus. And so, um, you know, and so he's our director there at the Bible College. Keep him in your prayers. We have prayer cards in the very back. And so uh, I want to take you to India. Uh, that's where we were at the last five months. So if you go uh, one, if you go forward one notch, uh, we uh, uh, are in the building fa phase of, of India. Uh, it's about 97, 98 percent completed. Uh, we were building dorms and um, and of course the classrooms and uh, and and do, uh, we built a couple of staff housing so we can bring Pastor Ross out there and whoever will travel with him to India. And so uh, we, 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 we have taken care of the cobras, uh, and uh, I know he has a... I wanted to show a picture of it, but last time he was like, don't show those pictures, you know. And so, uh, and so uh, you know, we, so we wanted to test the school out, and so we had a soft opening, so we brought seven uh, students out there, and uh, they were, you know, testing all the toilets and the sinks and the kitchen, and, you know, they were my guinea pigs, and it was a lot of fun, and, and so these are the crew here. If you go to the next picture, these are the dormitories. Uh, we have two levels, of course. Uh, we just gutted it out and built it kind of American style, and they thought it was a mansion. They're like, we've never even had a bed to sleep on, and, you know, and, and your guys' provision towards us has provided bunk beds, had a, a cot to lie on, you know, blankets, uh, you know, food. Uh, you guys have provided a great deal uh, in supporting Heather and I, and, and this school, is, it's, it's just starting. I mean, it, we have a lot of young men that want to come, and women, uh, and so our first opening is, is, our official opening is in August. If you go to the next slide, and so this is the school building, there's the classrooms, and uh, we've been really busy for the last five months. We were out there, it was always over 95 degrees, and the humidity was off the charts, and because none of the staff housing was built, Heather and I and Brianna were in one little room, you know, for five months, and, and Heather's looking at me going, haven't you lost your mind? And I, you know, I... I I typically, you know, I, I have, but I, I try to, you know, concentrate on the work and then, you know, and because and, we, I mean, we were there with 15 people in one house and, uh, and it was tough, all my staff and us. And, but the Lord, you know, he always gives you enough to make it through, you know. If you go to the next slide, I just want to share about another pastor. Uh, several years ago, I had met him. He worked for one of the biggest organizations uh, there in India called Gospel for Asia, uh, GFA. And, um, and if you guys know K.P. Yohannan, you might have read some of his amazing books. He was a powerful instrument of God. Uh, even Calvary Chapel men or pastors were a part of his board. Uh, but just a, you know, a year or so that some things have gone wayward and some of the, you know, the, the board members have left. And uh, well, he had told me before that happened that God was telling him to leave the organization. And I told him, I go, well, you, you call me when you do it, because who does that? You know, he's 60-something he's years old, close to retirement. He has a great paycheck, um, great facility, oversees hundreds and hundreds of pastors. And why would you leave such a position at, a, you know, at, at just a few years of retirement? And um, so he called me up last year at the end of last year, and he said, I left. Now what? And my heart's like, what? what? What did you do that for? You know, I'm like, he goes, and God told me that I need to be with Calvary Chapel. I need to be with you. And now, man, I, and then I really started. So I said, wait there. I'll be there uh, soon. And then we'll have a meeting. And he sat with me and told me, you know, what he had, what he had in his, what God had told him. 
God said, you must follow me. You must follow the word of God. And so he forsook that. And it really, it really broke my heart because very few people do that in life, forsake, uh, you know, even uh, false teachings or ideas or uh, to leave for truth. Very few people do that just for the simple paycheck, you know, but take that into a foreign country. And, and he did that. And, and, and my heart was, and I was hearing everything, and my heart was just broken. And I said, you know what, I, I don't know what we're going to do, but I know this. I want you with me. So I'm going to partner with you because you guys partner with me. <laughs> I can partner with him. And so we did. And so I, I gave him very little. He said, God will take care of the rest. And he's been, he's, he joined us. And now he's with us at the Bible College. And this is the cool thing. So all these guys are leaving Gospel for Asia. The, uh, these head bishops, and, and he was one of the top guys, you know, and um, so they're calling him and going, we need leadership. What, you know, we, we want to do what you're doing. And so since I'm his leader, he looks at me and says, what are we going to do for these guys? And I'm like, don't give that to me. <laughs> I said, I'm going to call home and get Pastor Ross to come over here and start a new organization. <laughs> but I'm scared to death because you know, what, what do we have to offer these guys? There's hundreds and hundreds of them, and they're scattered all over India, but this I know, that this could change the, ev the evangelical face of India because we will take them back to verse-by-verse -verse teaching, a, a good literal interpretation, sound doctrines. This could make a difference, an impact. So will you pray for me? This is, this is scary times for me, you know, and, and plus all the persecution you know, of, of that's going on in India and Nepal and these areas. It's, it's tough going. But my wife and I have lived pretty much in a bubble. We haven't had any harm, though our people have and friends have, you know, and even to this day, they, they, there's tremendous persecution. But we have been well protected by God. I say, and people ask me why, and I say because I have weak faith. If there's a persecution that took place, I just come home and work with Ross. You know, it's a... <laughs> These, these pastors need us. I have prayer cards in the very back of all these pastors. There's a lot more. I just put a few out there. Will you take them and pray for them and see what the Lord will do? I know this. Lord will do amazing things because of your prayers. And we'll see what, what's going to happen with all these uh, GFA guys becoming Calvary. Um, and so pray for us. Our, our prayer cards are back there as well. We have a, a clipboard. If you want an update once a month, we tell you what's going on. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Just a historical sitting, setting. King David had brought Israel to, uh, it was one nation under him, under Solomon, his son. And then when Solomon had his son Rehoboam, the kingdom was divided into two sections, uh, southern and northern uh, section, uh, the northern section was under Jeroboam. And God had warned them that if they continue in their depravity, that he would judge them with other nations. Uh, they always thought that they were God's chosen people. Thus, uh, it would not, nothing would occur to them. And 722 B.C., we see the, the Assyrians marching in on the northern kingdom and taking them and spreading them all over the world and destroying that whole region. And then later on, the Jews in Jerusalem, with, again, with the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, they said, nothing's going to happen to us. We're God's chosen people. And God said, if you don't change from your depravity, I'm going to send the Babylonian empire upon you. 
Uh, and so they didn't change. So in 605 BC, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar marched in there and, of course, conquered uh, Israel, uh, took Daniel and Ezekiel back uh, to Babylon with many more of the Jews and, and uh, you know, and, and really wiped out uh, all of Jerusalem. Uh, it's there that, you know, Jeremiah was there in Jerusalem. And so it was just a horrible time for the Jewish people. Uh, and then we see that King Nebuchadnezzar was defeated by the Persian Medes, uh, Persia being the stronger under Cyrus. Cyrus destroys uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his military might. And then his first year, Cyrus says, Israel, I want you to go back home. I want everybody to go back home. Uh, take care of your homeland. So we see Zerubbabel and 50 other thousand patriots go back to Jerusalem. Very comfortable living, by the way, in Iraq, which would be Babylon. Uh, they didn't want to go back home, but 50,000 patriots went back home and began to build. Later on, uh, Ezra comes, and then the third and final time, Nehemiah comes with his people. And so this gives us the setting in chapter 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susan, uh, Susan uh, and so this would be Iran, uh, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read your word. And we ask right now that you would speak to us through your word, Holy Spirit. That you would cause us to know you far greater than when we came in through those doors. Jesus, reveal your mercy and your grace that are new every morning to us. We want to know you. I pray if there's some that don't know you, that this morning, supernaturally, you would speak to them. And for the rest of us, Lord, that you would draw us closer to you to a life of obedience, a life of surrenderedness. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah, we're going to learn, is a cupbearer of the king. Of course, God's sovereignty and arranging for that to happen is quite amazing in itself. But every morning he goes out to the gates and he waves goodbye to those that are leaving. And he says, you know, welcome to those who arrive. It's an ordinary day. Ordinary day that he probably had gotten up every day, you know, that before him and, uh, and uh, that were in the past, you know, uh, he had gone, you know, every day it was ordinary. And, I, and I, you know, I just think about ordinary days in the Bible. I love the ordinary days of Moses. You remember Moses who was chased by Pharaoh out to the desert, 40 years, taking care of sheep, <laughs> you know, taking that staff every day, go get some water, oh, you bad sheep. 40 years, every day, ordinary day, you know. Every day was ordinary except for one day. One day he saw a burning bush and it wasn't consumed. And that ordinary day turned into be an extraordinary calling. Remember King David, before he was king, he was that ruddy boy out in the you know, wilderness taking care of sheep where he learned 
to be a great warrior, by the way. Remember those battles with the bear and the lion? You know, and there he learned to trust God and to worship God in the, in the nights that are in the wilderness, fearful. You know, if he's by himself, no doubt, fearful. But praising the Lord and gaining strength and then hearing the cry of the, his sheep, he came to defeat the lion and the bear. Every day, ordinary day for him. Until one day, Samuel comes to his house and he asks his dad, you know, God has sent me here to anoint somebody. Bring in your sons. They bring them all in. He says, no, there's somebody missing. And they bring in ruddy David and they pour oil upon him. And that ordinary day turned into be an extraordinary calling. The disciples, ordinary day, fishermen, right? And then Jesus comes to them and says, today I will make you fishers of men. Ordinary day turned into extraordinary calling. I say all that to, to prep you this morning for that. You woke up to an ordinary Sunday, ordinary day probably in your life. Don't know what's going on maybe or you don't know what's before you. But I want to prep you because God gives us burdens in our hearts and he changes ordinary days to extraordinary callings. And God might have that for you this very hour. Amen. So Nehemiah, he's sitting in the gates and he sees his brother Hananiah. Uh, of course, these are, these are great names, Hananiah and Nehemiah. But listen to what it says there. It says there that he, you know, he asked them, how is it going in Jerusalem? In verse 3, they said to me, those who have survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. The first thing he does is that he, be, he receives this burden from God and because all burdens start from God, by the way, just letting you know that, you know, he, he puts burdens in our hearts and he realizes I have nothing to offer. And he begins to weep. Now, this 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 man is not a crybaby. And when you read his story, he's a man of man's. I mean, you know, the, these these priests are rebelling against God. He comes up to him and takes the beard of them and pulls it off. What are you guys doing? I, I would never do that. I don't think Pastor Ross has done that to anybody. Has he? You know, I, you know. This guy is what we say a Burl's man, you know, California word. He is tough. But here he is under the brokenness, sweetly broken, right? Before God, God puts that burden and he begins to weep. He cries. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I think in his situation, I'm just a, a cupbearer, he will say later on. Who am I and what can I do? I, I have this burden now for Israel, which is, by the way, is, is a thousand plus miles away. I mean, really, why would he put his life in jeopardy? He has everything planned out. He, he's the cupbearer. He, he gets the, the sweetest of wines, of course, like those from this area, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he has his food that is brought before him, laid out. He has a, a house that's paid for no mortgage payment you know just he's set for life why would he put that all in jeopardy he begins to pray to God that's the one thing you can do right he realized I have nothing to offer I can't do a thing but I can do the one thing that can change everything I can come to the creator of the universe and he begins to pray and so that's the first thing that we must do when we receive a burden from God is to come and lay it before him and pray. The, the, I, I think of the, the many times in my life that God 
I'd put a burden. I, I remember that when I first gave my life to Jesus, it was three months later that he said, go to the high schools. I want you to, to go and, 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 and do a, a work there. And I said, no way, man. I am so old. They're, they won't receive me, man. Those, those guys are different. They have different words, you know. They have different lingo, you know. And then they wear their pants differently. I mean, it's just straight jeans. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whatever, straight legs. What do they call them? I don't know, man. Skinny jeans. There you go. I, you know, how am I going to minister to them? I wear the bell bottoms. I, you know, I'm just gonna... <laughs> scared out of my mind. And, and I, just, I just began to pray. Lord, I can do nothing for these guys. I have no ability. I don't even know their lingo. You know, lingo. I, I have nothing to offer them. And, and then God said, hey, you know, I didn't realize it was God, but he gave me an unction to go to a football game. So I, I went to a, a you know, Friday night football game, huge, all over the U.S., and I'm there watching the football game, and I thought, I'll just sit in the middle so I can see the game. I don't know why I'm here, but, uh, you know, and all of a sudden, the young high schoolers are all sitting in front of me, and I'm like, oh, no, Lord, you're going to do something, you know, and, and I hope it's, it's nothing crazy, but I'm just sitting there, and this young man, he, he, you know, he's, you can tell he's probably one of the cool guys, you know, the in guy, you know, and, and everybody's laughing and they're yelling. He comes up and stands next to me and I'm looking at him, like, what is this guy going to do? And he, so he just jumps, he goes, catch me. And everybody, you know, he's, they're supposed to surf him, to surf the crowd. And so all the guys like, jump, jump. And he goes, catch me. And he jumps and they all get out of the way. Wham, you know. He hits the ground, but being a high schooler, you know, they, can, they just get up and they're like, oh, whatever, you're not my bro, you know, and, you know, and so, and I just sat there and I laughed so hard. I mean, everybody laughed, everybody that saw it, you know, and it was the funniest thing. And, and, and I remember walking down to get some popcorn and he comes walking by and I go, hey, bro, bro. And I just pulled him over and I said, hey, I just, I just want to tell you that was the funniest thing ever. And he goes, those guys aren't my bro, you know, and so. And so we kind of left it like that. But the second Friday I went, he looks at me and he sees me and he just gave me this peace sign. I gave a peace sign. The third time I go, he comes sits next to me. And then there started a ministry that I had no part of even of it. It was God. And we had one of the biggest high school ministries in East County. I mean, East San Diego. God did something that I wasn't even ready for. But he gave me a burden. And, and so on and so forth. I can tell you the progression of my life, going to Mexico and then all of a sudden into Africa. God, it starts with a burden. And here in our story, Nehemiah has this burden. Let's go on, verse 5. It says there, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven and great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love and those who love him and keep his commandment. Realize who God is, by the way. He's not a puny human being. This is the great God, the God who's, who, who flung out the stars with his fingertips, who, who created us by, uh, with his words out of nothing. I mean, this is the God we have to, to acknowledge. He is the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 6, let your ear be attentive. I, I like the New King James Version. It says, please, almost the begging, God, let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you, you gave your servant Moses. 
But remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my command, then even if your exile people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to this place. I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your, hang, by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive. Of course, the, the King James, please, Lord, let your ears be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. I, I, I love that it ends like that because it's kind of the idea, who am I? I I'm just this cupbearer. I, I have nothing to offer. I mean, you know, God put me in this position, but who am I? I think that many times that's a, we, 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 we know that comment, don't we? Very well. Who am I? What can I do in this great nation of America? But you have one thing that most people don't have, and you have God who can go before you and do great things. But God starts with that burden. Oh, that burden. What is the burden that God has put in your heart? Sorry to say that most churches or most people in the churches will hear the burden and they'll push it away. I don't want to jeopardize my life. I don't want to, you know, look foolish or I don't want to, whatever it may be. But if God gives you a burden for your wife or your husband or your children or your school or your nation or India, Nepal, or any other, other place, begin to pray and let God do his work. I tell you this, most of the times God is going to use you to fulfill the very burden that's placed in your heart, which typically how it is. Here in Nehemiah, he, he, he realizes that, that God is going to orchestrate a miracle for something to happen. And so he prays at the very end here, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. This man is King Artaxerxes. He's the greatest king on planet Earth at this time. And so in chapter two, let's see what his, how his prayer comes about. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you, when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, rightfully so. You don't come before the king with a sad face, a sad countenance. You know, you come in with a smile, even if it's painful, and you give him his, his drink and, and you move on, you know. And, but here, I, I believe it just caught him off guard for an instant. I believe he's given the wine and he's, you know, with the smile on his faith and, uh, face and joy. And he lost concentration and he thought about home. Like, ah, and then all of a sudden his heart brought that painful look in his face and the king caught it. I caught it. What's going on? And he asks, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look so sad when the city where my ancestors are are buried, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed with fire. Then the king said, what is it that you want? Ah, got it. King, king Artaxerxes is hearing from God as well. God operates in different realms, amen, in both sides usually, you know, so women, when 
young girls, when, when a man comes up to you and says, God told me that you know, you're, the, you're the one I'm to marry, make sure you tell him, God didn't tell me, get out. So, <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot, especially at Bible college. Yeah. <laughs> but God operates on both sides, so the king now is hearing from God, and he asks, what is it that you want? And notice what in verse 4 of chapter 2 he says, Then I prayed to the God of heaven. It was one of those instant prayers. You know, when I'm sharing with people and they're asking me a question, I'm usually, you know, I'm, I'm hearing very lightly, but I know all the arguments. I know where they're going. So right there and then I, I start praying, God, speak to this man or this woman. Show them how powerful and real you are in their souls right now. You know, as they're asking the question. And then it's just a quick prayer. And so I, I'm sure he's doing that. He's like, uh, so I asked the Lord. He says there, uh, then the king said to me, then I prayed to the God of heavens. And it says there, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I, may, uh, that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. So here, God working on both sides, right? Hearing the burden, hearing the plead of Nehemiah, now God is working in his behalf and he has set it up easily for Nehemiah to leave his prestigious position to go out to the field to help out with the nation of Israel. But it doesn't start there, stop there. He realizes that God is at work, so he's going to ask for more. Look at verse 7. I also said to him, and he just realizes God is in it. I'm going to ask for everything. <laughs> if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have letters to Asap, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Wow. Uh, that, that's amazing, right? I, I was One time I was sharing at a church and... You know, and I, and I was just letting our, uh, just, just sharing like I shared Sharon right now. And this man comes up to me, he says, uh, tell me what you need. And, you know, and I'm an old Calvary dog. I'm an old fashioned Calvary Chapel guy. So I said, oh, the, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. And so, and that's a good thing to always do, right? Because that's, you know, where God guides, he provides. But he's a businessman. So he says, listen, if you don't tell me what you need, you get zero. <laughs> Lord, give me wisdom to write down the things that I need, you know? So, uh, so in my mind, I'm writing down this, thing, this list of about 20 things, you know, and I write it down, and I'm just asking the Lord, and I go, well, th these are the things you can pray about. And he looks at it, and he's like, okay, I'll take care of all of them. I'm like, what? Why didn't I write anything for myself? You know, I'm like... <laughs> You know, this is, not a, you know, this is not a ploy to get you to do that. I just want to tell you, our great hand of God goes beyond our comprehension. And he went in our behalf. I mean, I was asking for Bibles for the, the believers or non-believers that give their lives to Jesus and uh, study Bibles for the, you know, for the students. I was just asking for stuff that, that, that counted for the kingdom of God. And, and God blessed me. And God will bless you. But this morning, I want to close by asking you, what has God put in your heart, in your very soul? What burden has he given you 
that you can lay before him this morning. You know, this, this ordinary morning that you woke up to, it might turn into be an extraordinary calling today. It happens. It may happen in a few weeks. It may happen this year or next year, but it's going to happen. Don't throw those burdens aside. Pray for them and watch the mighty hand of God go before you. Amen? Amen. Cast your burdens upon him, for he cares for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this amazing time, Lord, that we get to study your word. This example that you laid before us in the life of Nehemiah, Lord, the burden that you placed in his heart, and then the answering all his fears and going before him and setting it up so beautifully that, he, that his reply couldn't be no, that he had to step out of faith and move forward. And this morning, Lord, I plead for those that are here this morning, Lord. I plead for the calling upon their lives. Lord, if it starts with that beautiful burden, then so be it, Lord. If it's just for somebody inviting them to do something, then so be it. But may we hear from you. May we hear your voice. May we hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, this morning, this ordinary morning that we woke up, may it turn out to be an extraordinary calling from God. We love you. We praise you. We ask that you would lead us. Lord, those that need mending this morning, mend them, Lord. Those that are suffering from cancer, oh, Lord, we don't know why you heal some and others you don't, but we're going to plead for them right now. We pray for your healing touch. Those that are have uh, wavered children, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring them back. Husband and wives, Lord, turn them back to you, Lord. Bring them back to you. Bring salvation. Let salvation ring loudly today, Lord, in homes. Speak to them. Love you. We praise you in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.